Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Take a moment to like and subscribe. Take a few moments to leave a review. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit tavernsquad.com for more of our content. Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told or to begin than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D&D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliché alive. This is Tavern Squad. Hello and welcome to the Tavern. I'm your Dungeon Master, your Innkeeper, and your host, Connor. Here with the next installment of our Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition homebrew campaign, of which we have not titled yet. But we're working on that one. Uh, The cast for today is going to be uh, the squad, the Tavern squad. You know them, you love them. So I'll go ahead, I'll introduce everyone how I see them on my roll 20, and why don't you give me just like a little two-sentence recap of what you remember from the previous session. Uh, So today, we are going to start with Sean, who is playing G3. Hello. So uh, last episode, we uh, took our small goblin friend back to the tavern. And then, uh, I guess to keep it brief, there was a bit of a commotion outside. (laughs) That's really brief. That's real brief. That's incredibly brief. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, there was a commotion outside that uh, ended the last session. All right, uh, the next person that we have uh, here will be Jessica, playing Cecilia Slitherspoon. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, yeah, so Cecilia was with Aunt May at the um, museum, and she saw the little undead hand and got very excited about it. Um, but Aunt May was just on a struggle bus. She had been through a lot that evening. So we went to the local tavern, the Angry Gut, um, to, to calm her nerves. We ran and I was across the table from a law enforcement, the guard, the city guard, and then some random ass goblin who was like dying, but then came back to life and <laughs> had a very tragic backstory apparently, and was insulting uh, the lizard folk people. So he's not on my on my happy page, I guess you could say. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so there was a conversation at the bar, and then the last thing that happened was Aunt May was going home, and explosions in the alleyway, death on our front door, giant worms. <laughs> to keep it not brief. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that description has landed on my happy page, so thank you, <laughs> Jessica. Uh, next, we have Dan playing Roynar Karagark. Yeah, so uh, Roy and G3 did... Bring the goblin to safety. They did that by following Cecilia because she looked a little bit suspicious. And then she led them right to the bar, which just so happened to be owned by Tums's father. Um, they dropped him off. Commotion. Free alcohol. <laughs> uh, extensive conversations with bar patrons. Then Roy specifically went to go speak with Cecilia. And, um, you know, they were chatting, and as Aunt May exited the building, she called their attention to the commotion in the alley. 
kind of where we were. All right. Thanks, Dan. And last but certainly not least, we have Andre playing Tums. Yeah. So last time we met, Tums was waking up to being splashed with uh, with the uh, homemade grog recipe. That's what got him up uh, after having like visions of, of doom and uh, blobby guys, which he relayed to the people around him. He tried to introduce his new friends to his brother, who is like a, a rabid conspiracy theorist. And in the process, uh, Tom's <laughs> may became off uh, as racist instead of like conveying <laughs> his brother's racism. Um, and also, um, you know, Tom's, Tom's admitted that he uh, lost his job with the post and his father, rather than being disappointed, was elated that Tums might be able to take over the tavern. Because your brother clearly can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. He's not in the right state of mind to be to be handling that stuff. So, yeah. And then there was a large uh, commotion. To start this session off, we're going to have a combat. So I think it might just be best if we get everyone to roll their initiatives first before we jump in. Hot damn, Sean. Right? Starting off with a natural 20? G3 is just eminently prepared for every situation. Right? <laughs> What's happening out there? <laughs> Somebody breaking the law? Scooby-Doo runs out the door. That's good stuff. <laughs> uh, Cecilia, what did you get for your initiative? 17. All right. Roy Nar? Uh Roy got a 12. Okay. And Tums? Tums got a 16. All right. So with uh, all of your initiatives gathered up, uh, I will go ahead and start with my flowery uh, intro. The tranquility of the Angry Gut Tavern melts away as screams of pain and fear boil the warm spring air, submerging you into the heat of conflict. Peering through the latticework windows of the tavern, you see three hulking, worm-like creatures. They still drip with the refuse of their subterranean lair. These creatures flail wildly about the small courtyard in front of the tavern, attacking the citizens who howl and clamber for escape with varying success. You look towards the maintenance hole from which the creatures emerged. You see it lacking a lid. And that's when you notice the cover <laughs> flying towards the Leonin in the open doorway. At me! Get down! Alright, we're gonna start off with Aunt May making a deck save. She fails. Oh. oh, no. She's going to take a D10 plus three. Aunt May takes nine damage as the heavy metal manhole cover goes flying through the doorway and hits her square in the chest as she gets knocked backwards into one of the small tables and she flips over the back of it and uh, calls out in pain. <laughs> All right. And after you see this Leonin get hit square in the chest with a porthole cover, G3, with the natural 20 for initiative, uh, it is your turn. Uh, so G3, being no stranger to danger, knows something's going on outside, so he's going to use his action to dash. And he's just going to get straight outside. So he runs through the bar, sees things are going down outside, and just firmly plants himself in front of one of these creatures, and then he uses his bonus action to enter a rage. All right, and I think this is the first time you've entered a rage. It is. So 
will, will you describe to me, as you're running out action hero style from this tavern, what does it look like as you engage your rage? His body changes the way he carries himself. Instead of being real clumpy, he's now more streamlined and agile. And uh, he's got a little bit of underglow and kind of the cracks in between his armor. And uh, his eyes change colors. They're normally like a casual, cool blue. Uh, they're now a red. Nice. Is this the first time that you've ever raged, G3? Or have you raged before? Um, he has, but it's very infrequent. Because, you know, normally he's holding down the law. Um, but there have been a few tight situations where he's been in a rage. And there's something about this rage that feels different. You, you can't help but hear, again, in your mind, you have been chosen. And out of the corner of your eye, as you pass by an alleyway, you think you see this apparition, another tall warforged, but they seem to be momentary, their, their presence fleeting. Uh, so, so now, uh, yeah, you stand before one of these horrendous worm-like creatures, its four tentacles kind of unfurling, showing you this black beak is just dripping with saliva and blood. This thing recognizes you and lets out a blood-curdling roar. In response, G3 just gets ready with his giant battle axe. All right. So, Cecilia, you see the Warforged sprint out of the tavern and go to engage these creatures. What would you like to do? Cecilia's going to dash over to Aunt May and flip the table over so that it's like kind of a barrier in between her. And I'll be like, you stay down. Maybe get behind the bar if it's safe. I'll protect you. And then she runs out, gets down on all four limbs and scurries over to the closest worm to her, which is this guy in the yellow who is facing a pedestrian right next to him. Okay. And I bare my teeth and go, <laughs> I wish I had those like frills across my head, like the Nothing's, dinosaurs. Nothing is stopping you. <laughs> Maybe. I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. Schrodinger's lizard frills. <laughs> Tums, your conversation, your heart to heart with your dad gets interrupted by chaos outside. And then you see the lizard folk and the big metal guardian sprint outside but not before turning over a table to protect the Leonin that was hit square in the chest. What would you like to do, Tums? I, I just want to go over how much my action could, could cover. What I'd like to do, Tums' family lives above the tavern, so I'd like to run up to his room so he can grab his equipment. Okay. And would it be possible in this situation for him to either get a window or get out on top of the roof? You could run upstairs, get your equipment, and get to... And I'd say you could get on the roof if you wanted to, but by the point you get there, that would be the end of your turn. Okay. All right. So now that, now that we've established what's possible, so Tums, he's gonna, he hears this commotion. He looks back to his father. They were in the middle of their, their sentences. Pops, I, I, I got this. And he's just going to scramble, like, straight through the back doors, through the kitchen, to the back, and, and to the stairs up. And uh, he, he runs straight to his room, goes under the bed. He pulls out his, he's got like a little armoire, he's got short swords and and a bow and arrow set, and he, he just throws it all on and dashes out to his window 
to kind of scramble up to his roof. All right. And yeah, you open up your window and as your feet and your hands meet Shingle, you look down into this courtyard and see these three worm-like creatures thrashing about. And you see these uh, well-armored beings, the Warforged and the lizard folk, beginning to confront them. Okay. And just just to be clear, since I am on the rooftop um, and there's some other buildings, do I have clear line of sight? From, from this vantage point? Yes. Okay. Listener, we've highlighted the different monsters. You can see the uh, red-tinted worm monster, and I would say you can't see the yellow one and you can't see the green one from at least your specific vantage point right now. Okay. Got it. All right. This worm creature in front of you, Guard 3, rears back and prepares for a strike. And you can see now that this creature has been wounded in multiple places on its body. It looks like it has other kind of lacerations or these like gory pits along its length that it appears to be bleeding from. This creature starts by trying to latch onto your arm with its tentacles. It gets a 22 versus your armor class. Oh yeah, that hits. So you are going to take 11 slashing damage that will be halved because of your rage. So you will take five slashing damage as this creature starts to wrap its tentacles around the arm that's grasping the bottom of your ax. Now that it has fastened you with one of its tentacles, it is going to drive its beak straight into your armored arm. It gets a 13 versus your armor class. Oh, that misses. G3 has an armor class of 15. All right. So it buries its beak into your arm, but this thing is meant more for, like, eating softer organic beings. And so its, you know, natural kind of keratin-based beak just smashes against your metal, and it is ineffective. Dude, I cannot believe you took that. Like, 11 damage would, like, not cripple me, but... I'd be hurt. <laughs> yeah. And and on that note, uh, Roynar, it's your turn. You look out the window to see that your companion G3 <laughs> is getting his arm kind of wrenched about by this large worm creature who's fastened onto him. Uh, what would you like to do? Uh, I think Roy will look to the barkeep and uh, he'll say, uh, bartender, you keep everybody inside. Uh, we'll handle this. All right. That's no problem. Can do. And then he will use his action... As, uh, as well as everyone else to dash out to the worm people. All right. Uh, so is that your full action to dash out to the worm creatures? It's my full action to dash out to the worm creatures, and he's going to kind of position himself on the opposite side of the red one, currently attacking G3. And I guess with my bonus action, I'll draw my sword and ready myself for combat. Okay. Sounds good. So as you are all running to confront this chaos, this battle going on, you see that the the bar patrons begin uh, to barricade the door. You hear the bartender Prylo go, All right, get some tables in front of that door! I got this little gizmo! And you hear this, like, rustling sound. Looking over your shoulder, you can see Aunt May, Cecilia, as she kind of gets to her feet. She looks really winded uh, and hurt. And she calls out, Be safe, Cecilia! Don't worry, Emmy. The rest of the civilians in the courtyard are going to try to flee this courtyard. Uh, two of them will provoke opportunity attacks from the worm-like creatures. The red one? Or the red and yellow The one. red and the yellow one, yeah. So The green look. one already killed the old man. That is correct. <laughs> okay. So 
Cecilia, the the worm-like creature that you're engaged with sees that this commoner is trying to escape, and it lashes out with two of its tentacles as the person turns their back, and it wraps around their neck with lightning-fast speed, and you can see that this creature uses its tentacles to whip the civilian back on the ground, and you hear this awful crunching noise as the civilian's neck kind of bends at a improper angle. No! You'll pay for that! That thing just killed the pedestrian. Yeah. Fucking, they're not in combat with you, motherfucker. I am! Focus on me! Yeah, that creature got a 13 versus that civilian's armor class, which was enough to beat it, and then did 7 damage, which was more than enough to kill that that civilian. Now, the red and wounded worm-like creature that both G3 and Roynar are fighting, it also sees that one of these civilians is trying to leave. It gets a natural 20, and it spins its body and hits the commoner, it does 17 damage, which is more than enough to kill it. It smacks the commoner in the back and sends them flying 15 feet and down the sewer hole. <laughs> Damn. Hole in one? That is a very 300-esque moment with that poor pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, slow motion falls. But everything's still moving at the same speed. Uh, then the third and final civilian uh, manages to escape the courtyard. All right, now it's time for these other worm-like creatures. So, uh, after snapping the neck of the civilian next to you, Cecilia, this worm-like creature turns its attention on you and lashes out with its tentacles for a hit. They're rolling real good. Uh, 22 versus your armor class. That's going to beat it. You're going to take nine slashing damage as this creature wraps both of your arms with its tentacles, and then it dives in for a strike at your chest with its beak getting a nine versus your armor class. That misses. Do you have an idea as to how you would evade that one? I'm trying to think of one. (laughs) All right. Do you have an idea? I got an idea for you. So both of your arms are wrapped up, so you just kind of bring your arms forward and together and end up putting more distance between the beak, just like inches away from your sternum uh, as this thing is clacking and chittering. Finally, we have this green-tinted worm creature. And it is going to dive into some of the lush foliage of this courtyard and try to hide. (laughs) Uh, Is this like common knowledge? Like, does everybody see this? Well, it only got an eight for its uh, stealth. So I would say, yeah, you see this creature, like, it just lets out this horrible, like, wail, like, and uh, just leaps into the bushes and rustles around very noisily before you see one tentacle wrap around the old man's ankle and start to pull him into the bushes. Gross. Yeah, the the carcass of the old dead. And with that, we're going to go back to the top. So we are uh, with G3. So G3, you are now engaged with this uh, wounded worm-like creature. Yeah, so I think G3 would uh, try and break free by swinging his great axe at this guy. All right, go ahead and make an attack. Uh, G3 rolled a 20 to hit. That is going to be this creature's armor class. Go ahead and roll damage. Oh, rolled a 7 slashing with the great axe. Okay, and did you factor in your extra rage damage? I did not, um, because this is my first time using rage. Rage is the best, bro. I I love rage. Which is, (laughs) I add 2 damage? Nope, wait. 
Yeah, that should be right. Okay, so yeah, for nine damage total. All right, so as you're bringing your great axe in an arc to bite into this creature, you feel your blade slide into this creature's hide, and just that forceful impact, something reminds you of your dream, where the sleep near were trampling you, just this impact, and you feel that presence once again. The presence of that immaculate warforged construct that lifted you to your feet. To everyone's surprise around you, as you bite into this worm-like creature and draw its blood, this glittering apparition forms around you, kind of like standing behind you, a guardian of sorts. And it is this immaculate figure with its silver and gold filigree and its construction, just kind of looming, making your form appear bigger. Beautiful. And uh, as this form materializes, you can see that the worm-like creature, its tentacles kind of shake, like twitch. It is very intimidated by your presence. Cecilia, you narrowly uh, avoided getting beaked. Now it is your turn. Okay, so I'm going to reach over and try and bite at the, the tentacle that has my right hand. Okay. I get 15 to hit. 15? Beats the armor class. Sweet. I get four damage for that. Okay. So after Cecilia's right hand gets set free, she grabs one of her daggers out of her side pocket and cuts right above her arm. The blade is encrusted with her blood, but then a radiant aura comes around it, and now my weapon is uh, 1d4 extra radiant damage when I attack. So you have a dagger that you're doing that with? My classic short swords. Okay. It's different than a dagger. Okay. Yeah. Short sword. Everyone. Short. Sword. Short sword. Not so short that it's a dagger, though. Tums, you are feeling the the warm wind blowing over the rooftops of Denbro as you look down into this calamity. What would you like to do? Tums takes a big, deep breath in his nostrils. They, like, flare out, and he squints his eyes, and the smell of shitty-ass Denbro just, like, goes deep into his lungs... And he says, I got this. And uh, so he draws his short board and he fixes it right on to, it'd be the red uh, tentacle creature, uh, the guy that's highlighted in red. And he just lets a arrow fly out. All right, go ahead and roll. So short bow and do I have sneak advantage? Yeah, they are engaged. Okay, so I, I got a 25. You got a natural 20. So if it's highlighted green like that, you get a natural 20. Sick. You critically succeeded. Now I roll for damage. Yes, you do. And you'll add your um, sneak attack damage on top of that. Okay. Jesus. Uh, so it looks like Tom's arrow flies true, and this thing just, like, slicks right, right into the beak of this tentacle creature. Like, right in its maw, uh, dealing 9 piercing and 10 sneak. All right. Yeah, you hit it straight in the beak, and it splits its beak open uh, and, and cracks its face. This thing lets out a horrible dying wail as its tentacles twitch erratically curling in on themselves uh, before this whole being just flops over into the greenery and expires. Expires. Past its expiration date. Tums is like, holy shit! That was wicked! And then he, he runs over to the other side of the uh, roof that lets him see more of the courtyard. Yeah, after, you know, I would say G3 and Roynar, you see this creature kind of like rearing back like it's going to attack again before an arrow just sails into its mouth and it keels over. Uh, looking above you, you see the little goblin postman running on the roof with his short bow. <laughs> oh. And short swords, of course. 
And short shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I think G3 would give him give him a little robot thumbs up, you know? Yeah, Roy's definitely got to look a surprise and uh, maybe disbelief on his face. <laughs> There's no way that little goblin man just, like, iced this very scary beaked worm. He turned it inside out. <laughs> and Roy Nar, it is now your turn. Uh, so kind of pulling himself away from the fact that there's now a hulking shadow behind his robot friend and maybe the goblin can, like, handle himself? Uh, he's gonna turn around and, uh, do I see the bushes thrashing? Or do I see that body getting, um, dragged into the bushes? Yeah, you do. You see the legs kind of, like, twitching a little bit out from underneath the greenery as you hear crunching. Cool. So, uh, Roy's gonna use his movement to approach and then, you know, like, get close to where he thinks it's coming from, like, the opposite side of the body. Uh, and then he's just gonna, like, stab in with his sword pretty blindly, but... You know, going for it. Okay. That sounds like a disadvantaged attack. All right, all right, all right. Ooh, disadvantaged indeed. Uh, I got a 10 to that attack. Okay, unfortunately, uh, you do not score a hit. You're just kind of stabbing into the bushes, and you can hear the snap of twigs and the chittering of this creature. You hear uh, someone calling out from inside the inn, Put down the barrier! I'm gonna help! And you see, Aunt May. you see Aunt May oh, God. walk out into the courtyard. Her fingertips start to illuminate with small flames before she throws her hand. And as she does, it just sends forth this bolt of fire towards the yellow worm-like creature. Nice. Aunt May gets a natural 20. There's been a lot of natural 20s this battle. <laughs> this, is, this is exciting. Yeah. So Cecilia just... Your eyes are just over your shoulders, like, the whole time. Uh, so you see Aunt May send a firebolt that goes whizzing, like, through one of the bushes to your left, and it burns a perfect hole into it as it slams into this grick, as it slams into this worm-like creature, and burns it for eight damage. Damn, Aunt May. Get it. I've got your back, Cecilia, she says as her other hand is, like, clutching her ribcage. And you can also see Prilo at the door holding this strange kind of conical object that has a bunch of arrows sticking out of it. Uh, Tums, you realize this as your father's uh, hornet's nest, as it's called. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) Uh, Just real quick, would Tums be like, is he like alarmed by this thing? Like, is this like some homebrew like fuckery that he's like, oh, no, this is going to end poorly? Or is he like, oh, shit, serious? Uh, it's a little bit of a mix. It's a little bit of a mix. You, uh, your dad hasn't needed to pull out the hornet's nest for many reasons, and you've only seen him fire it off once, and that was dangerous and chaos. So the fact that he has it in his hands now makes you feel like shit might get real. Okay. And you hear him call out, like, everybody just stay behind me. These things aren't getting inside the tavern. No way, no how. And we're going to move on to the Grick in yellow, the worm creature. <laughs> now it's time for the worm creature's turns. Yeah, Cecilia, this worm creature gets a natural 20 to hit you with its tentacles. I'm going to die, guys. There's just been a lot of criticals rolled in general. Oh, no. As it gets slammed with fire, you see this thing just gets mad, and it it grabs your waist with its other two lower tentacles before raising you off of your feet, and it squeezes you. Uh, You're going to take... You're going to take 18 damage. Okay, so I'm negative one. Okay. Oh, fuck. Uh, and then it is going to dive its beak into your stomach. 
where it gets another natural 20, and it deals 11 damage to you. What? Oh my god. So, Cecilia gets... <laughs> Looking l- out, dude. I know. Cecilia gets lifted up into the air, gets squeezed, and you hear her cry out in pain before passing out. And then at this point, as her body becomes limp, this worm-like creature buries its beak into her stomach. The leather armor over her stomach does a little bit of uh, work, a little bit of protection there. But yeah, there is definitely blood, and uh, and Cecilia is getting savaged by this creature. I'm dead. Uh, so you'll have to be reduced to your, I believe it's your full negative hit point value in order to be killed outright. Okay. Roynar, hearing this cry uh, from the monster hunter, it makes you turn your attention for one moment too long. And the Grick in the bushes goes to attack you, where it gets a natural fucking 20. Dude! What? Dude! This game's <laughs> rigged, bro. You just got three crits in a row. Okay. I call BS. <laughs> WTF? What the fuck? Roll 20 just doesn't want this to happen. <laughs> He's like, no. Wow. So, you, so our first combat is a TPK? And uh, we're rolling up new characters, get them ready. Uh, I just, Aunt May is my new character. (laughs) (laughs) You're all dead now. Uh, So, Roynar, you're going to take 15 damage. (laughs) It's nothing. uh, As this creature grabs you uh, with its tentacles, pulling you from your feet, and you fall hard on the ground, uh, banging your head and disorienting you a little bit. It is going to drag you toward it and try to beak you. It only gets a seven versus your armor class. Oh, that does not hit. It pulls you in towards the bushes and tries to dive its beak towards your chest, but it just meets your breastplate, and it just feels like a hammer just, like, slams into your chest, but no severe damage comes from it. Do I have the opportunity to use my reaction at this point? You do, yeah. You can use your maneuver. Okay, cool. So I'm going to use my uh, reaction repost day to when it misses me with that second attack. Uh, it opens itself up for a regular attack from me, so we're gonna we're gonna roll that. Perfect. And uh, Roy got a 17 to that attack. Oh, that'll hit. So as the creature dives with his beak and tries to hit Roy, he'll kind of take the hit, absorb it, and then as he's shoving it off, he'll like work his sword in to like slash across its front, dealing 13 slashing one-handed damage because he's pushing it off with one hand and slashing with the other. <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Whatever whatever works best for you, Dan. Yep. <laughs> All right, you snake the edge of your blade in, and it bites into this creature's hide. And you also notice as your blade sinks in uh, that this creature has received odd wounds uh, that you did not cause. But the heat of battle kind of distracts you from that quickly, so. You have effectively bloodied the creature. Do you want to describe a little bit more about how you hurt it? Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, it's just kind of a a deep slash across its, like, central piece. Maybe it's, like, a little bit more lengthwise, so it's a little bit longer and deeper than it might look. And some of this creature's life essence spills out upon your legs and your waist. Um, Oh, yeah. Life essence on my waist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just drenching you in, in some worm blood. All right, uh, guard three, you've just seen the lizard folk get savaged by this worm creature, and you see your partner, Roynar, being pulled into the bushes. It looks like he scored a good hit, but these creatures are pretty beefy. They're dishing out nat 20s. Right. Multiple in a row. What would you like to do? Uh, so, G3, after seeing Cecilia go down, he's going to 
clomp over the remains of the one that Tums shot in the face. All right. Just get right in front of that yellow-tinted worm-like creature and uh, just swing his great axe straight into it. Oh. Um, so, after all this heat of battle and a lot of stuff, he rolls a natural one. Shit. <laughs> you hit Cecilia. Yeah, not used to so much action, so he just wildly misses. We're gonna go ahead, I'm gonna be a somewhat benevolent god, and uh, we're gonna say that as you clomp over, you slip in some life essence. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and you go sprawling on the ground. Uh, your weapon lands ten feet away from you. Oh no, okay. It's better than hitting me. <laughs> Alright, it is. Uh, <laughs> oh god. So, Cecilia, you are going to have to make a death saving throw. So just roll a bare d20 and get 10 or above. Natural 20! Fucking A, Wow, man. the crits. The crits are dirty. Yeah, okay. this wow. They rigged. What? Rigged. Yeah. That's like seven. This is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, roll 20 is just super hot right now. Maybe we'll just use our normal dice. So hot right now. So when you get a natural 20 on a death saving throw, that counts as two successes. Woo-hoo! So you need to get three successes before you get three failures, and a natural one would count as two failures. Gotcha. So with your nat 20, yeah, as you are swimming in the inky blackness of <laughs> near death, you see something, Cecilia. You see in this darkness, this black space, mm-hmm. you see this outline. Ooh. It looks like a saguaro with ah. two arms. Sorry. No, you're fine. I'm excited. I love saguaros. I would say you walk towards it, and, and you get closer, and you see that it has golden thorns, and its skin seems to be glowing this kind of gold-white light color. Goddamn beautiful. Tums, you're up on the roof. The stench of coal smoke and tanning fluids sailing about you in the springtime breeze. Okay. You see things take a turn for the worse on the battlefield down there. Tums is just, he's sitting there, shitty smells all up in his nostrils, stuck up in his nose hairs. Oh, fuck, Dad, don't do anything stupid. Uh, and he, he turns, he sees where people are, have fallen. He sees G3 sprawl out on the floor, and he knows he has to help. So, um... Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna loose another arrow over in the direction of uh, of yellow worm monster tentacle monster. Go ahead and make that attack. Uh, you won't get sneak attack this time because you don't have a conscious or really engaged ally. I am on the roof, just making a case for it. Why why don't you go ahead and roll? Let's use your bonus action. Roll a stealth. Roll a stealth. All right, seventeen. Yeah, this creature is completely unaware of your presence, so we will say yes, you can get a sneak attack with that. Lit. Lit, fam. <laughs> we'll roll for hit, and it's a 22 to hit. Yeah, that hits. What's up? Damn, Tums. Eight piercing and ten on the sneak. You want to describe how you kill this uh, yellow worm creature? Oh, yeah. Uh, does this have any... So, we know that it has a maw, right? Like a beak. Are there any other distinguishing features on this worm? I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a picture of this creature, right? But besides its big beak and its tentacles, uh, it is just kind of like a, a greasy a greasy giant worm creature. It's also got knives on the end of its tentacles. Um. Okay. So what I'm thinking, he's got this. He's got four tentacles coming out of the front of his head, and what's gonna happen is the arrow comes sailing through, and it splits open one of the topmost tentacles. <gasps> 
and it pins the rest of his head to the back of his body. So it just like kind of shoot that shucks him down. He's like pinned to himself. Nice. Like a a, a, li- a little sneaky snake stuck on a stuck on a stick. <laughs> Dead worm. And so it's done. The arrow flies through, pinning this creature to itself. It's all coiled up as you hear it go. And it spasms out uh, and bleeds into the cobbles uh, and goes still. That was wicked sick. And, yeah. <laughs> now, now, now uh, I don't know if, if G3 can see it, but, but Tums throws out a thumbs up. Uh, G3 doesn't notice. He's a little uh, preoccupied. <laughs> <laughs> nobody sees your nobody sees your kill, so nobody's going to verify it. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> These arrows are of goblin make. Um, all right, so Roynar, you are still being like pulled into these bushes by this creature. Uh, it is your turn. Yeah, um, I mean, if I can, uh, am I able to still make like an attack against it? Despite the fact that it's kind Ab- of absolutely, yeah, you're not like grappled or restrained or anything. So I'm gonna make uh, one normal attack. What I say about crit or fail, though, <laughs> straight up, <laughs> somebody had rigged. to fail. Crit, uh, I got a critical fail. Yeah, so did G3 earlier. That's just how it goes, game, man. That's yeah, just how it goes. Something's going Calling on. Bullshit. Something's going on. So, I mean, I, I could describe it, but I don't know like, what level you want to go to. So I don't know how much you're trying to like. You know what? Why don't you go ahead and describe it? You put a disadvantage on yourself. Let's see. <laughs> I think Roy just gets supremely overconfident after, you know, scoring what was admittedly a good hit. You know, he probably uh, leaves himself open for more like... He's trying to take bigger blows to like end it, maybe, than he should be, leaving himself pretty open. And so he goes for like a very big finishing blow and then like completely whiffs like the worm dodges out from under like in front of him. So then he just like stumbles and now his back is exposed to it. Her chance. Okay. We'll say it gets uh we'll say it gets advantage on its next attack against you. Oh man. Okay. I think Roy would like to action surge to uh, take another action and another attack. So as he's reeling, he's going to spin and kind of try to get another sweeping slash against the creature. Okay. This time he gets a 22 to attack. Okay. Is that one-handed or two-handed before you roll damage? Definitely one-handed. I feel like, you know, he's a little bit off balance and he's just trying to, like, score something quick. Okay. Uh, So that's six slashing damage. Yeah, you spin around, bringing your blade up kind of haphazardly, and you manage to cut off one of this thing's tentacles. Uh, It looks very, very hurt, but it still has some life in it yet. Because you're off balance, I am going to let that that advantage on the first attack against you ride. It's fair. I critically failed, you know? How it goes. It gets an unnatural 20. That will definitely hit. Dude. Fuck. You're going to take 13 slashing damage. I. And because it hits you with its tentacles, it gets to make a beak attack. Are you kidding me? Where it only gets 7 versus your armor class. Oh, that does not hit. All right. So, yeah, this creature, even only with its, like, three tentacles, it still manages to kind of wrap around you and, like, with its little blades on the end of its uh, tentacles. It has, like, uh, little, like, switch blades in every tentacle. Uh, It... (laughs) causes 13 damage to you, kind of like grabbing your arm and crushing your waist. It tries to send another beak into you, but it just dings against your breastplate. Uh, can, can I use my reaction again? I feel like I really need to press all my advantages in this scenario. You absolutely can. 
So as it misses me again with the beak attack, uh, leaving itself open, Roy is gonna move to strike with his sword one-handed again. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, that's an 11. That is going to be a miss, unfortunately. You try to bring your sword in a strike, but this creature is getting a little more wise to your tactics and puts a tentacle up to stop your strike. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. For the commoner turns, we're going to say that Aunt May calls out to Cecilia. Cecilia, no! And she runs to Cecilia, and she is going to try to make a medicine roll to stabilize. Keep that medicine hot, Aunt May. (laughs) Yeah, Aunt May is trying to, like, compress your wounds, but um, you have just sustained so many, Cecilia, that... Her five uh, for medicine doesn't hurt you, but uh, she is not able to help you or stabilize you whatsoever. She puts her leonin hands down on your abdomen and your blood kind of running through her fingers as she's trying to to compress it. She's like, I I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is right. Uh, G3, it is your turn. You are face down in the cobbles and the little runnels between each brick are starting to fill with blood. Life essence. You look and see your axe ten feet away from you. Life essence. <laughs> Life essence, pardon me. And, and Cecilia's not purpley, kind of shiny blood. I think Roy's blood's starting to mix in there, too. You know, it's all sloped towards the drain, so... Yeah. <laughs> yep, all the blood's running into the drain. Uh, so G3 is gonna use half of his movement to uh, kind of stand up, brush himself off, a little embarrassed... Uh, looks to his left to see this, like, skewered worm and, uh, is going to run over and on the way pick up his axe to, uh, help out Roy, who he can see see is also struggling. Alright. Yeah, we'll say that picking up the axe is a bonus action. So you still have an action left. Okay. Uh, G3 would then swing into this green-tinted worm-like creature. Uh, with a 24 to hit. That is a hit. Your axe bites into it. How much damage do you do? 15 slashing. Oh, yeah. That's big numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would you like to describe how you fell this worm-like creature? Sure. Uh, I'm going to do it from Roy's perspective. Um, G3, like a savior, comes running in. His hulking body, like a Baywatch lifeguard. He, uh, single... Tennis backhands his great axe and just takes down this worm as the uh, ornate filigreed construct lights up behind him. There's a real awe moment where, you know, there's a real aura around him. Right, and I didn't even crit. There were so many other ones. (laughs) His jaw goes a little bit slack. Like, he's suffering blood loss, you know, and like... He is a little bit delirious, maybe, and wow, you just look so you so sparkly and magical, right? And then, uh, and uh, G three reaches reaches hand down to help Roy up. Oh, he takes that hand for sure, and then like nod and thanks. G three, you extend your hand and you help Roynar to his feet, and you get a moment to survey the damage that has been done. Looking around, you see all three of these worm-like creatures have been felled. You see the Leonin crouching over the lizard folk monster hunter that you have come to know as Cecilia. Uh, She is still bleeding profusely. You can see Tums up on the the roof, just kind of looking down at, at the chaos in front of you all. Let's go to Cecilia now. Cecilia, you get closer to this 
Sawaro. Go ahead and make that save. You got a four, so I failed. Okay. So I have two success, one fail. One failure. And you make to touch it, but as you do, you get stabbed by one of its spines. It's like the spine actually elongates to stab you for a moment, and just like jabs forward and pokes your finger. And you see protruding from your finger is a drop of blood that looks like, well, like your uncle and your father's blood. It looks like liquid sunlight, but your arm throbs. I kind of clutch it close to my chest and like, I can do this. Eleven! Eleven. Success! That is the third and final success. So, as you watch this drop of your sunlit blood run down your finger, it drops onto your stomach. And you look down at your stomach to see this bloody hole. And as that drop of sunlight hits your wound, you start to see it carterize. And it burns. Severe pain in your abdomen. And the light coming from this saguaro becomes so bright, it's like staring into the sun. And your vision flutters open to the sight of the blue sky and the two suns overhead. The regular sun and the crescent purple flaming sun that is Tlayuton, the shadow sun. You see Aunt May lean over you, along with G3 and Roynar. Uh, Cecilia, are you okay? No, Aunt May. I just got fucking mauled by a worm thing. I need... I need real medicine. I need a hospital. Ah! Unless someone has magic. And I look around, hopefully. Aunt May looks to you apologetically. She's like, I... I don't have anything that can help him. Maybe someone in the tavern. Is, is there a healer? Aunt May calls out to Prilo behind the barricade, who then turns around and goes... Hey, is there a healer in here? Is there someone who knows some healing? Please be the turtle. Um, I may be of service. Yes. <laughs> and slowly stepping out from behind the barricade, you see the turtle. <laughs> this kind of dusty figure uh, moves slowly, and he just kind of has this, like, placid smile on his face. His eyelids are, like, half-drooped. So what appears to be the problem? Look at me! Look at this! Oh, there is a bloody hole in your stomach. That that could be the source of the issue. Oh god, you sure you can fix me? Absolutely. And he reaches into his pouch and pulls out this strange sort of container. It looks like it was maybe like a melon or a squash fruit that was hollowed out and turned into a container. And he pops it open. And he pulls out some of these herbs, and it looks like maybe feathers and stuff. Just odd sort of reagents. And he sprinkles it over your stomach before he starts, like, humming. And as he does, you see these reagents start to kind of, like, burn up with this kind of green light. And it seals over your wounds. And he casts Cure Wounds. Uh, which is going to give you a d8 plus his wisdom, which is two. So a d8 plus two. You get five hit points back. Okay, so since I got three successes, that made me to zero. Correct. And so now I get five. Correct. Five hit points. Doing great, guys. Well, I'm afraid that's all I can do in a pinch, but I suppose it's better than nothing. Uh, I think Roy's going to motion to the turtle man uh, and say, if there's anything you could do, um, I'm not... 
Are you skilled at dressing wounds, or but if there's anything you could offer, I'd be mighty obliged. Oh, sure, sure, I can do about the same thing for you. Maybe if you guys uh, get me a beer, I, I'd appreciate that. Oh, I'll get you three, buddy. I feel a little bit be- better. Okay, well, more beer sounds good to me. Hold on here, um, Mr. Uh, Lawman. And he also sprinkles some of these reagents on you and begins to hum. And the same kind of thing happens. It burns up on your wound and there's just kind of this scarring that's there. Uh, You will get a D8 plus two. (laughs) You get four HP. Oh, I just doubled my HP. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, if there's not any more healing that I can do, uh, it's time for you guys to buy me some booze. Will you carry me over? And Aunt May's like, oh, no, no, I've got this, and, like, lifts me up. (laughs) Yeah, Aunt May will just pick you up. I can get you, Cecilia. And she lifts you up with her strongly in an arm. And I just, like, nuzzle, like, her shoulder. It's all soft and fuzzy. I feel a little bit safer. (laughs) Well, I think Roy would look at G3 now that he's doing a smidge better and say, we, we probably need to report this. And it, it would probably be good to get a group of guys down to the Barazley's Point Museum tonight to protect it. That Leonin woman was telling me there were some demons or something trying to get in last night. I think G3 would be... He would hear this and kind of nod, but he'd investigating the corpse of this worm. So you can go ahead and make a nature check for me. G3 being a city boy isn't great at this, but he did roll a 10. What you can tell is that this creature is called a Grick. They are a worm-like creature that sometimes hide in more rocky areas or dark areas, so sometimes the sewers, most commonly the sewers in the Wandering City. And it appears as though it has sustained, like, bite injuries, other than the injuries that you guys have dealt upon it. Besides, like, the the slashing of blades um, and the arrows, there are, like, it looks like bites taken out of these creatures. And G3 kind of turned to Roy. Roy, these bites, they aren't from us. Well, no, I don't tend to bite my adversaries. You think something drove them up here? Perhaps. I think this is something curious we should look into. You know any sewer worm experts? No, can't say I do. Sorry, I... You had said something earlier and I was deep in thought. Oh, I was saying, you know if there's a pigeon booth around here? Uh, there is a pigeon booth over by the museum. Thanks, ma'am. Well, I'm gonna go ahead there, let them know what's been going on, and then I can try to meet you guys back here, or if it'd be better to be at the museum, in case anything's gonna happen there. I might mumble, but can you carry me all the way to the museum? That might be a little bit more taxing. I I would need help with that. I turn my head to the big warforged, get my puppy eyes going. Her... Perhaps I can be of assistance. It seems out of his nature to be gentle, but he, like, attempts to gently lift up Cecilia. And I think you do a well enough job. You don't you don't hurt Cecilia anymore. Um, but yeah, you scoop her up in your arms. It's very intimidating. It's the first time I've been, like, this close to Warforged. Yeah, or probably this close to death. True. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I would, if under normal circumstances, I would take a sketch... And also a small prize from this, but I do not deserve a prize from this battle. 
I lost. Hard. I think at this point, um, Roy would look at G3. I guess, is, is Tums hanging out around there? Like, is, is Tums, like, moved closer to this event? Yeah, so Tums, after the battle, he scrambled off down the roof, and you guys have been conversing, uh, and he kind of comes running up. He's got, like, a little flagon in his hand, and he's, like, out of breath. He uh, he gets up to you guys, and he he chucks the flagon. It's full of the uh, the same, the grog recipe that, uh, that Prilo splashed on Tums. And he just kind of dumps that, like, right on Cecilia in, in G3's arms. It's an antibacterial, he says, through through uh, <laughs> through bated breath. Well, by the way it stings, you could guess, yeah, it's probably killing bacteria. Thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. Did you guys see the way that I blew up that freaking worm thing? It was pretty wicked. What? No, that wasn't you. No, I... I blew up like two freaking worms. It was sick. Well, but oh, well, did you at least seize them? They they kick something off into the sewer. I I think that's kind of important. And so I, I'd like to point over at the sewer where the the one commoner got like Sparta kicked. And can I like do like an investigate? Is there anything that I'd find if I investigated? Well, yeah. What are you trying? Like you can roll an investigation roll. Uh, if there's something in particular you're looking for, uh, feel free to ask. Anything that's an indicator of like. Other, other footprints, or like other parties that may have been involved, or if I can determine that like that is where the grit came out of, or anything out of place, I guess. Sure, we can do that. And I got an eleven to investigation. So what you can see is that yes, the Gricks definitely came up this way. You can see that there is some blood, and as well as some like kind of slime, like that refuse, the the goop that's on the Grick skin, uh, and it does look like they, they climbed up this way. Uh, in terms of the human that got knocked into this hole, uh, you, do, you don't see their body. You just see a pool of blood and kind of like a smear mark that goes into the darkness. Ugh. It looks like they were potentially dragged away. Um, there's no other footprints that you can really tell from this junction, but yeah, it smells like a sewer. And that body appears to be missing and dragged away. Yeah, so I, I, I guess, you know, Tums is, is, like, fixated on the sewer, but he doesn't really have anything to, to contribute to to the party's, like, decision-making. Well, we did promise the tortoise dude a beer, so maybe... You um, promised me three beers. <laughs> can I just toss him some coins? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Here you go, thank you. <laughs> Okay, this looks like it'll do. Happy, uh, happy doing business with you. You too, tortoise man. You too. And he just kind of slowly goes back to the bar and and holds up his fistful of gold and says, "All right, more drinks for me." I was really hoping you were going to make him a health potion vendor as opposed to a. No, you guys uh, don't get health potions. Remember, <laughs> skill traders don't get those. Well, just wait, man. We're going to recruit him to our party because you won't give us health potions, and you're going to have to do that, boys. Yeah, every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's no problem. That's no problem. I can do that. Can the grog stay an anti-back potion, though? Like, you know. <laughs> can we keep that cannon? Just just a mild, uh, not, what, what do you call that, antiseptic? Sure, like a, <laughs> okay, helps fight disease. We, we can, yeah. we can workshop that. I'm happy with that, yeah. Sure. Okay. It's not a health potion, it's a healthful potion. (laughs) It is not long until you hear the footsteps of guards. And coming around the alleyways, 
you see an Earth Genasi, a Hobgoblin, and a Human Guard, the ones that you uh, met before, as they enter this courtyard space. And the Earth Genasi looks at you all. Well, what happened here? The same one that was harassing the old lady? Yeah. Uh, my name's Toms. My, my dad's Prilo. He runs the Angry Gut. And uh, these uh, crazy worm things came up out of the ground. They started tearing up our patrons and, uh, you know... I took care of it. No thanks to you guys. <laughs> we had a, another important call to answer. It's unfortunate we couldn't have been here sooner. Oh, it, it was it was important because, uh, you know, there's like four people sitting around here. Our patrons, good customers, they're dead now. They just, they just flat out dead. We got these other guys over here. Look, they're all busted up. Where were you guys? That's, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. You, you're there on collection day. You tell it, Tom's. I feel like you'll need to make a charisma check. I think it might be an intimidation. Okay. Uh, 14. And their counter was a 7. So, this Earth Genasi looks at you and looks at this bloodbath scene all around you, and uh, his eyes go to the cobbles, and he hangs his head for a moment. It is a great shame that we cannot have been here to help. And for that, we truly do apologize. This is... this is horrible. You know, there's been those disappearances and we're trying to keep an eye out we just turned our back for a second too long we'll we'll get this cleaned up i i, I guess tums feels a little bad about his beratement he uh hey, well you know have you seen anything like this is this just happening all over the town no we haven't seen any of these these creatures come up i think roy would mutter to g3 that fairly low unless they were like really listening they probably wouldn't hear it he'd say yeah, these guys are too busy extorting old women to be fighting monsters. Am I right? G3 gives, like, a, a really slight nod. But you can tell he's, like, being a little reserved because we're out of jurisdiction. But he knows he can't stealth away at, like, 6-7. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> so he's just kind of, like, in the back, like, <laughs> Cecilia in front of him. Thank you for, for handling these monsters. I take change... And I, like, hold out my hand. For the whole crew! Are you busking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's say make a persuasion. Um, I got nine. <laughs> oh, we we don't handle rewards. Um, You could go to the guard office in Barazlay's Point, or you could try to sell these things to the Krugin, uh, I don't know. I see your pockets are pretty full. Try, try to... We deserve. We. I almost died. Look, I'm sorry. You have all put your lives on the line, and and that is appreciated. And I'm sure it could have been much worse if if you weren't here. But we we can't just hand out gold to heroes, okay? We. At least you see me as a hero. There's there I are <laughs> there are protocols to this. It, again, if you want some reward, you could you could go to the. The guard office in Barazlai's no, 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 no. So, at this point, G3 is annoyed with this dude because of his grifting and whatever. So he's going to just buff his chest up and try and intimidate the guard uh, to back up Cecilia. So G3 rolled a 15 to intimidate. We're going to say that you you uh, win the tie. You are the runner. So Because, you know, he was kind of in the corner hiding a little bit before due to concerns of jurisdiction, but he's tired of this dude talking down to Cecilia, so he just buffs his chest up and stands real big 
and make sure that he can see his uh, big great axe. So, well, maybe we can make an exception. Um, and, and he unfastens this coin purse uh, and, and he puts it in your hand. And we'll say, uh, we'll, we'll say that the reward was given on site and we'll just do that with the paperwork. Don't worry about it. Let's get this cleaned up, boys. Nicely done, Warforge. And I like, pat you on the head. I would say Roy looks appreciatively at G3 and he's going to say, oh, I bet they didn't teach you that back in Central Bureau Basic, did they? I, I believe the term is adapting. <laughs> Opening up this coin purse, you see that there is about seven gold and seven silver pieces. And we'll just say plus three copper on top of that. This is not the largest purse that you have ever gained, but this is the hard-earned money of the people of uh, Denbro. <laughs> That's a good point. Stolen money. You stole? Dirty you stole, money. St- stealing stolen money. Be like Robin Hood, get back. I think at this point, Roy would turn to Aunt May. Why don't you uh, lead us to the museum? We can call for reinforcements and regroup there. Yeah, um, sure. Let's go to the museum. So you make your way to the Barazales Point Museum, uh, where you do see the pigeon booth. And uh, Tums, are you going to the museum as well? Or are you going to stay at the inn? Uh, so r- real quick, like where is Cecilia going? Uh, Cecilia is being carried by G3, and they are going to the museum. Yep. I guess Tums would pipe up, kind of little brother is be like, you know, can I tag along? As long as you're not racist anymore. <laughs> I guess you did help. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, you know, I guess I can keep that under wraps, he says, and he starts he starts muttering under his, his breath about, like, <laughs> false accusations. Um. <laughs> so I think G3, remembering back to your arrow that just completely turned that guy inside out, he, he'd give you the same thumbs up to kind of give you some reassurance. Okay, so I, I've got, like, some... Some level of, of buy-in from the party, I guess. So, Roy, is there any acknowledgement, or are you, like, still... Did you not see anything? <laughs> I don't know. Ever since you brought it up that he probably shouldn't trust you, now he's rethinking, like, my purse doesn't just fall off. Like, that's so <laughs> weird that that happened. Like, I would have noticed that. And he's also, like, <laughs> he told us he worked for the mail, like, 20 minutes ago, but he must have been fired before that. Like, this is a little goblin dude. Is not what he appears to be. And, like, he's not sure if it's more comforting that you maybe just, like, one-handedly killed both of those creatures, or if he should be, like, put off by you. Like, (laughs) so he's just, like, side-eye looking at you, not really registering your presence a whole lot. Okay. Well, uh, Tums wants to tag along, so he's he's following. Okay. That sounds good. It's very curious what's going on, you know? We're interesting. You are. You're, You're an interesting group of folks. So, as you make your way to the Brazlays Point Museum, Roynar, you do see a pigeon booth uh, next to the entrance that you can access. Oh, I'm going to pigeon it up. You enter inside the pigeon booth while the party starts entering inside the museum proper. So, Roynar, the pigeon booth is of a simple wooden construction with stone shingles on top. You open up the door that has uh, the words pigeon booth carved into it. And you walk inside to just see one pigeon sitting on a pole and that's just poking out of the wall. Are there, like, spaces for other pigeons? Or is it like, this is this pigeon's booth? It is a singular pigeon. Oh, wow. And, it's, and you just hear it like... Yeah, and I think Roy's going to do that back. He's going to try to, like, coo back. 
cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Try to put the pigeon at ease. <laughs> and you want animal handling that, or you just want to say you coo at the pigeon? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How about like just nature? Sure. <laughs> no, that was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> What's with the short bow? <laughs> that was Tums. I just. I'm just imagining that as Roy's like communing with this pigeon, this arrow just <laughs> zooms through the door and like pins it to the wall. Uh, so for, for the listener, uh, what, what just happened was is uh, I, uh, Tom's, I was investigating my uh, my B, my D and D Beyond charts, and I accidentally triggered a uh, short bow when I was trying to investigate how short. So bows it looked work. like Roy so, rolled the nature, and then Tom shot um, an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not not, not my intent. That was like uh, I was. We'll say I was fiddling with my dice. So that, that's no. We'll we'll go for this. You're investigating your bow, and an arrow <laughs> flies through the pigeon booth. And as Roynar is Roynar is cooing at it, <laughs> just an arrow just sinks into the fucking pigeon, and it drops to the ground <laughs> dead. And Roynar, you look at the pigeon dead on the ground with an arrow in it. And Roynar coos a little bit sadly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's gonna lean down and pick the pigeon up by the arrow. And does he recognize this arrow from the fucking red red worm that got iced in front of him? Yeah, you recognize the arrow. And then he's just gonna back out of the booth and like scan around <laughs> until his eyes track to Tums. And he's just gonna like dead eye Tums. With the one pigeon who lives in the pigeon booth, like held in one hand. Uh, uh I I didn't mean anything by that. Uh, I was just looking at my bow. I I didn't I, I didn't know how I was doing so good before, so I was looking at it. Hey, you're a mailman, right? Oh uh, yeah. You want to run some letters? <laughs> uh, I I I guess so. What, what? He'll he'll gesture with the pigeon like. <laughs> I mean, you kind of owe me at this point. As you gesture with that pigeon, you hear a noise from inside the pigeon booth. And there, as if by magic, there is a singular pigeon sitting back on the little stick inside the pigeon booth. You look down at your hand, you see the dead pigeon. You look up at the booth, you see the alive pigeon. It, we, ki- we killed enough time that it respawned, so... <laughs> it, just, it just popped back in. <laughs> Royal angrily thrusts the pigeon arrow at Tums and say, go play somewhere else. And then stride back towards the pigeon hole to go write his message. Tums, he is going to take that carrier pigeon and he will stuff that into his mailbag. Okay. Yeah, put that in your inventory. Yeah. Dead pigeon. Dead pigeon is in there. <laughs> you, you never know when it'll come in handy. <laughs> Wait, are you stealthy about this or does everyone see you just put a dead pigeon in your well, bag? He turns, uh, well, let's roll stealth. Uh, or would that be stealth or sleight of hand? Sleight of hand, I would say. Okay, we'll do a sleight of hand. I, I'm gonna try and try and sleight of hand this this pigeon off of a skewer, or maybe on the skewer. The whole skewer, whole skewer is going <laughs> in the mailbag. Okay, seven. <laughs> yeah, I would say everybody sees Tums just pick the pigeon off the ground and shove him in the mailbag. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> so G three, who's normally pretty stoic. You see him, like, raise a puzzled eyebrow, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? (laughs) Yeah, he's not impulsed by it. Like, Tums is gonna be Tums, and just 
he's busting through. That's fine. He did it. He does not acknowledge that people acknowledge this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And now we'll go back. (laughs) Now we'll finally get back into the pigeon booth where, Roynar, you hear this and go... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coo, coo, coo to you too. And then he'll like kind of rush through it and, and write his message. It opens its beak. Operator... How can I connect you? Is, is this a new system in the city? This is this is a stunning reversal of communication methods. Roy drops his uh, writing implement and paper, and he picks up the pigeon. You know, kind of like holding it like loosely, like with its face near his ear. Uh-huh. And he talks into it. He says, "Um, hello. I'm looking for law headquarters. You want to get connected to law headquarters? We can do that for you. All right." One second. <laughs> hello. This is Sir Calatan Greaves. Uh, hello, Sir Calatan. Uh, this is Sir Roynar, uh, reporting. I'm up in Barazle's Point, and there have been some strange goings-on. Uh, myself and the Bureau Guard 3, uh, encountered a group of worm creatures that appeared to rise out of the sewer, and we've heard from one of the local, uh, museum runners that there was an incursion of undead last night trying to get into her building. Strange. She's worried they'll come back again tonight. I was hoping we could send some guards down here to protect the place. That may be difficult, as you are in Barazle's point and the paperwork was already a headache to get you and Guard 3 out there. But if there is undead, this matter is taken seriously. We'll do our best to get some reinforcements out there for you. I'd be appreciated. The guards around here aren't worth much. Somehow not surprising. What else have you learned about the missing people? Uh, not very much. I think that guard got something out of one of the witnesses, but I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. There's a lot of strange goings on in this part of town, it appears. It sounds like it. Well, I'll do my best to get those men down there for you. If you have any other developments, let me know. Yeah, thanks, sir. And, uh, when did the pigeon booth system get input? Oh, uh, I think they updated that a couple weeks ago. Apparently, it takes a lot less pigeons. <laughs> Apparently. And then Roy will just sit the pigeon back on the roost. And your call has been ended. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pigeon booths. It's a thing. And so you depart from the pigeon booth, and you join the rest of your party. Aunt May has just unlocked the several locks it takes to get through the doors, and she pushes it open, and you see this small-sized cathedral, large arched roofs, beautiful stained glass, just the the afternoon light peering through this multicolored glass, just making this kaleidoscopic effect that dances across the marble-tiled floor. At the far end of this main hallway, you see a strong-winged statue with a sword in hand, and in front of them is a fountain of this blue-glowing liquid. The next thing you see, well, it may not seem like a big deal to G3 Roy or Tums, it sends a cold shiver down Cecilia and Aunt Maeve's spine. The chest is open. No! And empty. No! Aunt May! <laughs> we are going to end our session there for today. Crap.
we end it there, then our last two episodes have ended with Aunt May's name being yelled. And I think that's great. So, I think that's that's a solid spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. All right. Well, there it is. Session three. That, uh, uh, ooh. Yeah, I can't believe I almost died. That was a close one, dude. Yeah, dude, I had three hit points there for a solid minute. It was, that was, <laughs> it was yeah. very, Dave. very close. Very good. Well, it was a fun session. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, action-packed, I'd say. <laughs> it, rigged. Rigged, yeah. It was yeah. fucking ridiculous, dude. Yeah, that was insane. I've never had anything happen like that. I mean, also, let's be yeah. real, we definitely benefited. Tums, you came in quite clutch with those fucking, with those shots. Like, you ended those creatures at perfect times. Yeah, I did seriously. feel pretty <laughs> Pretty badass. And, and as much as I really wanted to kill that creature, I don't think I would have lasted another turn. So it was really good that G3 came in like an action hero. And so, <laughs> safe I feel like it'd be fun to have a dice roller that, that that is that volatile. It's like everything is 1s or 20s, or you roll like a solid 15. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the only three options. When I went to a Ren Fair, uh, the Phoenix Ren Fair, I saw one of the blacksmiths. He made a crit or fail dice. It only had 20s and 1s on it. <laughs> oh my god. That's awesome. That's funny. I love that. He was like, this is how pros play the game. <laughs> Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the episode. We got to see Tums blossom into quite the archer, and the materialization of G3's ancestral spirit. Roynar showed some of his martial prowess, and Cecilia, while she had a tough go of it, was touched by the sunlit saguaro. What matters most is that our protagonists are alive, and they are forming an adventuring party. It seems like bullying the guard force was a great bonding moment for them, so let's hope they have more of those. Join us next time to see how our heroes grow ever closer and uncover the mysteries of Barazley's Point. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to share with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit. Links are in the episode notes. Do you want to tell us how much you liked the episode? How much you wish I didn't let Tums kill that pigeon? Or tell us how much you enjoyed the extra content this month? Well, we here at the Tavern want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email, or message us on Facebook or Instagram. We will begin reading your letters and reviews on air when they start coming in. So don't hesitate to reach out. If you're interested in learning more about the squad and seeing what we're up to, again, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Reddit, or you can visit our website, www.tavernsquad.com, where you can see some more of our content, a previous campaign arc we had, and you can learn a little bit more about the squad and about the world building. So check it out. Our intro song is Briefcase Number 1, performed by Tartanic. Our intro speech is written and performed by Lou Fox. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker, Travis Savoye, and Carl Casey from White Bat Audio on YouTube. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. With that, last call has been made, tavern's closing. You don't have to go home, but you could write a review. Toodaloo.